Hey, Story Family. You're listening to The Story at Home. I'm your host, Pastor Giovanna Huffman. Join us on Mondays as we study the Bible together. On Wednesdays, we'll share our stories. And on Fridays, we'll equip leaders. Let's get started with today's episode. Hey there, and thank you for joining me for today's episode of The Story at Home. I'm Pastor Eric, flying solo today as we start a new week together. As you know, we've been spending a little bit of time in the book of Galatians. We're actually going to be in Galatians for two months here on this podcast, as well as on Wednesday nights in our church-wide Bible study called No Other Gospel, which you can always find on The Story's YouTube channel, Facebook page, or on our website, thestory.church. Every Monday, uh, we dissect that week's passage, and this week's passage is from Galatians 2, verses 19 to 21. So let's read that together. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live for God. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Okay, little Bible study tip here, a little Bible study 101. Anytime you're reading a passage or a verse and it begins with the word for, or um, some instances it'll read therefore, the first thing you want to do is look back at whatever came before it. A silly, fun way of remembering this uh, is just whenever the Bible says for or therefore, you've got to find out what it's there for. (laughs) Get it? All right. So in this case, Paul wrote, for through the law I died. So in order to understand what he's getting at here, we've got to know the line of thought that he's picking up from. So when we look back two verses to 17 and 18 in Galatians 2, Paul wrote, but if in seeking to be justified in Christ we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? So the sinners he's talking about are the Gentiles. And this question that he's asking sounds very serious, but he's not actually asking it. This is a rhetorical question. Paul is quoting back to his critics the kind of questions they're asking about him. So, if in seeking to be justified by Christ, we Jews find ourselves among the Gentiles, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? And then he continues, absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. So, that's when today's passage actually starts. Um, He says, if I rebuild what I destroyed, I would be a lawbreaker. And then he writes, for through the law I died. Okay? So, you can almost feel the urgency in this passage, as Paul writes, as if something really huge and consequential is on the line. And in Paul's mind, there absolutely was something of great consequence at stake. You've probably heard that um, uh, old adage of Christians warning people about a slippery slope. So it's a a common trope now, uh, this rhetorical device, uh, so common, in fact, that it's kind of become a cliche. It's this idea that if you give someone an inch, they'll take a mile, you know? And if we accept this little sin today, it's just a matter of time until we start accepting bigger sins later. And the inconvenient thing about slippery slope arguments is that oftentimes they're true. 
And people don't like hearing these arguments because it sounds like we're being alarmists or it sounds like Chicken Little, the sky is falling. But we have to acknowledge that bending the rules just a little inevitably leads to bending the rules a lot more over time. So most of the first generation Christians Paul was writing to were devout Jews who had spent their entire lives sticking to the letter of the law. They were following the rules as best they could. And their entire existence was built around the Sabbath, food regulations, social restrictions, sexual rules, and the celebration of certain religious festivals, all of which were prescribed by the law. It's impossible for us to overstate how important the law was to the Jewish way of life. And most of us really aren't that different today if we think about it. People today are creatures of habit. We always have been. People, people always have been creatures of habit. Just look at how we've struggled this year in 2020 without our usual rhythms. I've felt disoriented all year, and I've heard many others say that they feel the same way, inexplicably disoriented. Well, we're disoriented because we've lost so many of our natural rhythms and our bodies are out of whack. Our minds just don't know what to do with that. Not only have we lost our daily routines, those have been disrupted, of course, you know, like getting up and going to work, putting on pants, <laughs> getting the kids to school, all these daily routines have been interrupted, but our seasonal and annual rituals and routines have gone by the wayside this year as well. And you may not think your mind or your body would miss something that you're used to doing every year, but that's absolutely not the case. I mean, when you miss out on spring break, um, which your body's used to, March Madness, the excitement around an event like that. When we miss out on graduations and weddings, summer vacations, baseball games, fireworks on the 4th of July, back to school preparations, the first day of school, when we miss out on all of that, um, I think there's more going on to disorient us than we realize. I, I think something bigger has been lost in 2020 than merely the sum of this year's losses. It feels like we've lost our way. So the Jewish Christians who opposed Paul were afraid of the people, their people, losing their way too. By allowing these Gentiles to become Christians without requiring them to live under Jewish law to live like you should, according to them, right? So it's easy for us to look at those folks and to hear this argument and then just to sort of talk about them like they're being judgmental or mean or inhospitable toward those poor Gentiles. But let's keep in mind, to those folks, uh, the prospect of living without the law was disorienting and terrifying. So they're probably thinking, if we allow Gentiles to join our community without requiring them to keep the law like we do and to live like we do, then our kids will start to play with their kids. And soon enough, our kids won't care about the law either. They won't care about our way of life, the way our life has been for generations. It'll be gone. That's a threat. And that's the kind of thing Paul's critics were afraid of. But Paul was also afraid of a different kind of slippery slope. He was concerned about something far more grave, far more important when he wrote uh, what he wrote in this week's passage. For through the law, I died to the law, he wrote, so that I might live for God. I've been crucified with Christ. And this part right here is critical, critical to understanding Paul's theology. We often talk about how those 
<clears throat> excuse me, we often talk about how because uh, Christ rose from the dead, we will rise too. Nathan Bonus and the Story Worship Gang wrote a really great song about that. I will rise with him. And uh, it's about that very thing. And Paul would agree with that. We will rise with him. Um, but before we rise with Jesus, Paul would say we die with him. Okay, so Jesus died before he rose. He died through the law. And what that means is that he stood condemned according to the letter of the law. The law is the reason Jesus took the cross. And that's what law does. It condemns law breakers. And so even though Jesus wasn't technically a law breaker, that's what they called him. But for Paul, when Jesus, who was God in the flesh, died under the curse of God's own law, it was such a seismic event in history that there can be no going back to the way things were before. And when he wrote, I'm crucified with Christ, he's saying that his need as a Pharisee to be sufficiently righteous under the law died when Jesus died. And because Jesus rose from the grave, Paul did too by faith in Christ. In Romans 6, uh, 3 and 4, Paul explained this same idea with some slightly different terminology. He said, don't you know that all who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. Now, most Christians are not aware <laughs> that baptism was initially intended to reenact death. We don't often talk about that at our baptisms, especially the infant baptisms and things like that. But the early Christians looked at it, looked at it this way. In early Christianity, the person being baptized would strip naked or to their skivvies, and then they would descend into the water as if it was a tomb of death. And then they would reemerge from that tomb as if they were rising from the dead. That's what baptism was meant to symbolize. So for Paul, if believers can't die to our old life, to our old ways of seeking assurance and affirmation and completion, then we're really not trusting in the sufficiency of Christ. And if we still need the law to make us righteous, we're saying that Jesus' death and resurrection were not enough. And this isn't just about the old Jewish laws. This is about all of us, Jews and Gentiles alike. If you come to Jesus and you still need to drink like you used to, or date like you used to, or chase after money like you used to, or get attention like you used to, or fight about politics like you used to, or watch porn like you used to, if we still need our old habits to complete us, we're saying the death and resurrection of God himself under God's own law, wasn't enough to complete us, which is essentially to deny the power of Christ altogether. And Paul was unwilling to let the church slide down that slippery slope. He said, I live by faith in Christ who loves me, who gave himself up for me. His death was enough to destroy our longings for lesser things and to find our every fulfillment in him by faith alone. And I'll end with this quote from C.S. Lewis. He said, Human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. Friends, you need nothing other than God. All you need is faith in what Christ has accomplished for you because he loves you. So thanks for taking the time to join me today on the Story at Home podcast. Hope you have a great day today, a great week this week. Be sure to check back on Wednesday and Friday to hear more reflections on this week's passage.
Bye, everybody.